Welcome to the Great Western Woods World Building Podcast with me, Angeline Trevina, and me, H.B. Lyne. Join us as we talk all things world building. Get tips and advice for creating rich and immersive worlds for your stories, whether you're an aspiring author or wanting to level up your world building for future books. We'll be digging deep into our own experiences and sharing what we've learned along the way to publishing over 15 books between us in five years. So get comfy and grab a cuppa. Let's get world building. Okay, September is back to school month, so we're running with that theme to talk about building education, training and mentoring into your world. We'll be digging into the things you need to consider, tropes to utilise, cliches to avoid and examples to draw from. Before we get cracking, thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time, welcome. If you've listened before, thanks for coming back. We would really appreciate it if you could take a screenshot of yourself listening to this episode and share it on social media. Tag us at Great Western Woods Podcast on Instagram and at the GWW Podcast on Twitter. So on with the show. So when we're thinking about world building education, the books for me that spring straight to mind are the Black Magician series by Trudy Canavan. Now, I actually read these many, many years ago, so you know, my memory isn't great, Um, but they basically revolve around a magical education establishment, much like, of course, Harry Potter, which, well, we couldn't possibly fail to mention that in this episode, (laughs) could we? And also (laughs) The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. This book encompasses like a bit of everything, really. So it's got mentoring, self-learning and a formal education as well. Mm hmm. I'd like to give an honourable mention to The Worst Witch by Jill Murphy. It was the hot um, product before Harry Potter came on the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, And I loved those books when I was a child. (laughs) So what are the first things you need to think about regarding education in your world? This is actually, once you start looking at it, such a huge topic The first thing I think to get into place is just the basic mechanics. So at what age do children begin their education and at what age does it finish? Is it compulsory? Is it free? Is it available to everyone? You need to think about where education happens and at what age people switch from one institution to another. So absolutely just the basic building blocks, who, where, when, before you start getting into the why, how, what. Yeah, yeah. Even if you're not writing about an actual school, you need to have an idea about these things for the sake of your main character's backgrounds and the society in which they live. You may not need to create your own Hogwarts, but education is a big part of your society. And creating your own Hogwarts would be very good fun. (laughs) It would. (laughs) So as with any world building, begin by looking at what happens in the real world. So what's education like in your country? How does the system work or not work for people? Start thinking about the changes you want to make. 
But as ever, keep bringing it back to your world. It needs to make sense. And the changes you make need a reason. For example, a country at war might stop education for boys at the age of 14 so that they can go and fight. Or an agricultural community will work the school year around the farming calendar so that children can help on the farms when they're most needed. In a world where girls have magical abilities but boys do not, they are likely to be schooled separately. So think about whose education is considered more important and why. Think about what in your world is valued more highly than education and why. Perhaps nothing is. Perhaps education is lifelong. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about how the education system is influenced by the needs of your society. But how can your society be influenced by the education system? So the education system can have a big impact on the society that it exists in. And you can really play with this in your fiction. You can use it to build conflict in your story. Is education available to everyone, girls and boys, rich and poor, every different race, religion and species? Are different levels and qualities and options offered to different demographics of people? What sort of conflict does that cause in society? Are there rivalries between different schools? And is your education system adequate? Does it turn out young adults who are equipped to function in your society? Are young people being left behind? Or do they lead the way and push society to adapt? Usually it'll be some combination of those outcomes and it's up to you to decide the balance. You also need to think about the changes that have happened over time, the evolution of education. How has education improved things in your world? How has it made them worse? And what has it changed? So with improving education levels, has the labour market significantly changed? Because if everyone wants to be scientists or doctors or work in robotics, who's going to sweep the streets or maintain the sewers or dredge the rivers? Maybe that leads to shortages in certain labour markets. Maybe this increases immigration or even introduces slavery. Perhaps increased literacy leads the working class to become more politically aware and aware of their oppression. Maybe it leads to revolution. Maybe it takes society out of an age of religion or spirituality into one of science. So, yeah, education can impact society in some truly epic ways. So what different forms of education are available for you to consider? Well, as a home educating parent myself, I always have that as an option in my books. As in real life, there are almost always options. State school, private school, boarding school, alternative schools, home education, distance learning. Is it part-time or full-time? Are there apprenticeships? I think that about covers it. (laughs) But that's a lot to consider. What makes the most sense in your world? Maybe you have a combination that's common. For instance, it's implied in the Harry Potter series that wizarding children are home-educated until they're old enough to go to Hogwarts. And it appears that all magical children do go to one of the schools. But what do they learn at home before they get their letter? 
it seems as though they probably learned some basic skills familiar to us muggles, like maths and literacy, for example. And you have to keep remembering that every decision you make impacts the world and your characters. For example, if mothers are staying home to educate their children, are they completely removed from the labour market? Yeah, or do the parents share the roles of earners and educators? And what opportunities do kids have to make decisions for themselves as well? Um, what about the curriculum? Which subjects are on offer? Yes, this is so important. Without going into too much of a political rant, think about the real world and how the curriculum where you are serves or doesn't serve the children and society. Let that inspire your world. Are you writing a dystopian novel in which the children are made to learn an increasingly narrow curriculum that keeps them ignorant of politics, financial management, creativity, teamwork and critical thinking? I may be talking about modern Britain a little bit here. <laughs> Who decides the curriculum? Are schools even, uh, or even individual teachers independent? Or is it determined by the government or maybe religious leaders? Or are you writing a noble, bright, epic fantasy where children receive a holistic and creativity-led education that fully equips them for any path they may choose? The curriculum on offer which of course may not be equally on offer to everyone, will be largely dictated by the needs of society or, more specifically, the needs of the labour market. What's valued more highly? Practical skills, social skills, sporting ability, or maybe even creativity? Yep, now that would make for a utopia. <laughs> Are your schools filled with books or spanners? swords or theatres or is a wide varied education valued in your world but does the education system always work that way i think for the sake of realism when you look at what's going on in some parts of the real world today education isn't in keeping with the needs of society at all so think about that too is the education in your setting at odds with life beyond education or is it doing what it purports to do yeah, I think it's interesting um, to think about whose view of what society needs is leading the education system, because it might not be the same for everyone. <laughs> so also what happens when a child has an aptitude for a particular subject? Are they encouraged? Are they separated from their peers? Or do they maybe hide their talents? What happens if a child excels in a subject that isn't widely valued or a subject that is forbidden. Mm, juicy plot ideas in there. Mm. Um, and of course, education doesn't simply stop at age 16 or 18. What further education options are there? So there's lots to think about here, both at a world building level and also at a character level. Does further education allow for specialising in particular subjects? Is it only available for certain career paths or is it only available to certain people? Is it free or expensive? Does it require students to live far away from home? Of course, it depends on the educational structure in your world, but things like college and university tend to come at a truly formative time in your life. That transition from childhood to adulthood, a time filled with rites of passage first legal drink, passing your driving test, first credit card, first try of illegal drugs perhaps. 
that age tends to be a time of self-exploration where people are developing from who they were to maybe who they want to be. And for many people, it's the first time they're away from their parents, their first taste of independence and unsupervised freedom. It's also a time for meeting new people and experiencing different cultures and ideals. There is a lot more to be learned at university than what is simply taught in the classrooms. Absolutely. And beyond that, what about adulthood? Ongoing professional and personal development. Yeah. I mean, everything that I needed to know for getting by as an adult in our society, I learned after leaving education. Besides basic numeracy and literacy, I mean, politics, managing finances, cooking, cleaning, taking care of myself, running a business, writing a novel, relationships, motherhood. None of these things were really taught in school or they were taught in a way that wasn't useful in applying the skills to the real world. So how do people learn beyond school? Are there online resources? Are they free or paid? Are employers good at offering training and advancement? And what happens to people who fall through the cracks and get left behind? Because every society have those. Even a utopia is going to have flaws hidden beneath the surface. When people fail to thrive within the education systems in your world, what happens to them? Is there a safety net or are they ignored, hidden or even lost? That's a really interesting question, actually. Now, there might be underground secret schools where people can learn things that they can't learn in established education. Hidden knowledge, secret knowledge, long forgotten or forbidden knowledge That in itself is a pretty good jumping off point for a story. There you go, I'll give you that one. (laughs) Self-learning would be dependent on things like people having enough leisure time to do it, enough money, and also enough drive. It would have to be a society where self-improvement has some value, or alternatively, a society where it is frowned upon and your character is wanting to fight against that. But as with everything, it has to come back to character. Your character needs a motivation. They need a compelling reason for furthering their education or learning something new. Yeah. So when it comes to world building an education system, where can things go wrong and what do we need to be aware of? The whole elderly mentor idea has become a trope now, but I think that we too often think of tropes as cliches as something to avoid at all costs, even as lazy writing. But tropes are loved by so many readers, which is why they become tropes, because they are popular and it's not wrong to use them. Personally, I love the elderly mentor trope. Yes, there will be readers who avoid it, but equally there will be readers seeking those kind of stories out. Tropes aren't bad, but they can be used badly. But then so can anything in writing. So never be afraid of using them or adapting them or turning them on their head and doing something surprising. It's such a fine line between trope and cliche, but they are distinct. The elderly mentor, especially one who sacrifices himself for the hero, is a classic trope found in many fantasy stories, not least of which being Harry Potter and Star Wars. Also, as with all world building, I think there's the dangers of, first, making it far too complex. 
adding in loads of jargon words, words made up just for your world. The more of this that you add in, the steeper the learning curve for your readers. In other words, the harder it is for them to get into it. And along with this, the other danger is to create a wonderful, fantastical history of your educational establishment full of super cool and awesome stuff that has nothing to do with the story, but trying to shoehorn it all in anyway. Like I said, these are issues with any aspect of world building, but especially when you're creating something structured and historic. I think the best way to save yourself from doing this is through the use of beta readers. Tough beta readers, ones that don't pull any punches. They'll tell you if you're info dumping or confusing them. But besides what goes on in the classroom, there is also a lot more to think about regarding education in your world. Because while educational establishments are essentially preparing children for entering society as adults, they are microcultures in them, in themselves. Within the establishment itself, there's the culture of the teaching style. Are they strict or relaxed? Do children get punished if their uniform isn't spotlessly perfect? Or are they running around in dungarees and getting muddy outside? Are they ordered or chaotic? And what kind of punishments are dished out? Is it missed playtimes or are there physical punishments? What does it take for a child to get suspended? or expelled? And what happens to them then? And then you have the micro-society of the children themselves. There are playground politics just like there are office politics. And it's not always easy to navigate. There are rules, and these are often unspoken, learn only when you happen to break one. How are these rules policed? And how are wrongdoings punished? It makes me think about William Golding's Lord of the Flies, now, that's actually a fantastic book to read for world building to get you thinking about self-managed micro-societies. And we all know that kids can be just as cruel as adults and far less tactful. So does bullying happen? How is it policed or punished? Do the teachers care or leave the children to their own devices? Perhaps they shrug and look the other way. So education is a really formative part of anyone's life and a lot of what is said to us then creates a base for the opinions we hold of ourselves forever in many cases i suspect we've all got things that an adult said to us when we were young that still haunts us to this day i know that i have so even if you're not writing about characters who are currently in education their world's education system has affected them and molded them have they embraced that mould or have they rebelled against it? And did it do them any good? Now, Holly, what were your favourite and least favourite subjects at school? I was a drama geek, so I loved that. And some of my English classes, it depended on the teacher. Um, in one year, I had a really, really great RE teacher who covered ethics with us and debunked most of the supposed miracles in the Bible. I really enjoyed those lessons and they stayed with me. I hated PE um, and maths and most of school, really. I felt kind of stifled by it, to be honest, and bored and restricted. How about you? Well, unsurprisingly, very similar. My favourites were drama and English. 
and my least favourite subjects were maths and PE. A PE teacher once told me that I was a lost cause at athletics. Well, (laughs) I didn't lose any sleep over that. And I was actually pretty good at maths. In fact, I was invited to join an advanced maths class, but it was after school, so it would have meant giving up doing that year's school play. Well, that was a no-brainer. There was no way i give up drama for math. <laughs> and they do say that your school days are the best days of your life. So do you agree with that? No, <laughs> not for me at all. Uh, I was incredibly unhappy at school, both primary and secondary. I hated it. I was bullied a lot, never fit in, wasn't interested in the curriculum. No, it was awful. There are times now when I wouldn't mind going back to the lack of responsibilities and bills. Uh, But yeah, generally very glad to have put school behind me. Yeah, like you, I couldn't claim them as the happiest days of my life either. You're definitely right that the lack of responsibilities is nice, but it's certainly not without its pressures. Now you can pay me enough to live through my teens again. Oh, so although sometimes I do wonder how I'd do things differently if I could relive those years knowing what I know now. But thus far, I think I've enjoyed my 30s the most because I'm finally in a place where I feel like I can just be me because, frankly, no one else's opinion matters. Do you know, I really wish I could have known that when I was 14 years old. Oh, me too. (laughs) (laughs) I think that leads us neatly into talking about the fabulous educational offer we have for you, our listeners. We are creating an online course all about world building. And we're looking for a group of writers to join us for the first enrolment period. Students will get to work with us to create their world, develop it and populate it. The skills we'll help you to develop will enable you to confidently create worlds in the future. You will get lifetime access to the course and any updates we publish, and you'll always be able to come directly to us with any questions or extra support that you need. You'll also get the opportunity to help to shape this course and the direction it takes. We want your input to make this the most helpful novel novel crafting course it can be. You can find out more about it on our website, greatwesternwoods.com. Just look for the World Building Quest banner. Enrolment will close in just a couple of weeks, so do not dilly-dally. So that's it for education. Let's talk about our cool things. Now, one thing that I love doing is live events. In the real world, meeting actual, real people. It's crazy, I know, (laughs) but I do, I just love it. And I have so many live events lined up and I'm so excited about them all. Like, I have a local author day at our library on Saturday, and I'm helping to organise a very cool gothic horror Halloween event where I'll be reading, and a Krampus Christmas event. I've also started organising next year's Burton Sci-Fi and Fantasy Con. I ran the first one in February this year, and it was more successful than I ever could have imagined. It's also the event where you and I first met in person, wasn't it, Holly? 
It was. Plus, we have some sneaky event planning going on ourselves, don't we? Mm-hmm. But more about that in another podcast I think we have probably rambled on too much already but yeah my cool thing is basically that I am busy 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 yes you can finally talk about the cool things you were sitting on last time Yay! (laughs) my cool thing is that my wonderful hubby just whisked me away for a top secret getaway I didn't know where we were going until we checked in at the airport and I saw who the airline was We had a lovely few days away in sunny Portugal in a beautiful hotel right by the beach. It was the perfect antidote to a very hectic summer. Lovely. So as ever, we will end on our would you rather question. And of course, it had to be school related. And Mm. it's a little bit silly. We like (laughs) silly, don't we? Yeah. (laughs) So, Holly, would you rather go to a school where everyone communicates in song or go to a school where you're required to dance instead of walking? They are both equally appealing and terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm I'm overthinking it horribly again. What about the people with physical disabilities who can't dance? And like, you know, there have to be exceptions, surely. Um, but I think they both sound like fantastic. Like, oh, I could do that for a day. But <laughs> yeah, practicalities of doing it every day long term are a bit kind of, oh, really? Um, but I think I'd probably go for singing. I think just just marginally that's more my passion than dancing so okay see me I would go the other way I would choose the dancing instead of walking now I am not a good dancer at all I'm a far better singer than I am a dancer but I really think that singing or everything you speak all day (laughs) and hearing everyone else singing everything they speak that is gonna get very boring very quickly and I think I think I could put up with the dancing for longer than the singing, quite frankly. <laughs> so e- even though at the start of term, I'm sure we'd be doing fantastic dancing. And by the end of term, it will have turned into like some sort of awful dad dancing shuffle. Um, <laughs> as, as long as there's no congas, like I, I'm sorry, I am just not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have to go for the dancing just because I think it would be slightly less annoying. Mm, you might be right. I think you might have swayed me. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> because presumably when you sit down in your class, you don't have to continue. No, that. it would only be walking between classes and yeah. the canteen and stuff, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna change mine to <laughs> Okay, I think that wraps things up for this episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Great Western Woods World Building Podcast. We'll be back next week with more writing tips and tricks. You can find us in all the usual places. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And all the show notes and whatnot are on our website at greatwesternwoods.com. On our website, you can also find the link to join our band of adventurers and access our monthly online world building chat sessions.